spoke and the world was formed to breathe and there was life you hold the universe in the palm of your hand oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth all creation sings every nature shouts of your wondrous works oh lord all glory to our king you shaped the mountains and seas stars in the sky you made the galaxies by the word of your mouth oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth all creation of your wondrous works, oh Lord, all glory to our King. You sent your only Son to die for all my sins. Majestic is your name in all the earth. All creation sings, every nature shouts of your wondrous works, O Lord. All glory to our King. All glory to
Good day once again, brothers and sisters. I'd like to welcome once again in our midst uh, our Living Word Christian churches from all over Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, as well as our churches from abroad in the United States, in the United Kingdom, as well as in Hong Kong. Allow me to greet as well all our brethren coming from the Americas, coming from Europe, coming from Asia, and many other parts of the world like the Middle East. So God bless you today, and I hope that our time together will be meaningful and truly fruitful. Now, I just like to first of all greet our fathers a happy Father's Day. So may I just commend all the fathers in their homes right now, because uh, as, the, as we very well know, God has blessed them and used them for our families. They're supposed to be the priest, the provider, as well as the protector of the family. So again, uh, we just like to uh, greet our fathers a happy Father's Day. Of course, uh, I just like to give a few reminders. We are right now on ECQ, so we're back now from uh, scratch, or rather we are uh, starting from scratch once again. And so, brothers and sisters, I'd like to remind you of uh, being part of the solution to our problem of COVID-19. I'd like us to practice social distancing. I'd like to admonish you to continually wear masks when you go outside. And as much as possible, uh, please stay home. So again, uh, thank you uh, for uh, the fathers. And so right now, we're going to talk about waiting on the mighty God based on Psalm 62. May I invite each one of you, brothers and sisters, to kindly rise from your seats right now. We will read together Psalm 62 aloud. So let's go to Psalm 62. It says, For the choir director, according to Jidothan, a psalm of David. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Selah. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression, and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And loving kindness is yours, O Lord. For you recompense a man according to his work. 
Shall we bow our heads right now once again in prayer to the Lord? Our Heavenly Father, we are mindful of your presence. And we are mindful that you are watching us even right now. We know, Lord, that you know everything from beginning all the way to the end. And you know our going out and you also know our coming in. You know the very content of our hearts. And you know as well your purposes in this pandemic crisis that we are going through. You know your purposes, Lord, why from GCQ we are right now reverting back to ECQ. And so, Lord, we know that you have purposes laid aside for this situation. And so we put our trust in you, O God, knowing that you are all wise and that your wisdom is infinite. And so we lay our cares before you, O God, knowing, Father, that you have our best in mind. And Lord, we desire, Lord, to be truly blessed and edified by your word today. And so hear the cry of your humble servant, O God. Lord, you know how much I depend on you and how much I trust you, Lord, even as I deliver your word to your people. And Father, I pray that the Spirit of God might accompany the words that I will be speaking today, words that come from the scriptures, words that come from Psalm 62. And I pray, Father, that your word will accomplish its purpose. It will not return to you null and void. And so, Father, we pray that you might glorify your name once again. Let the Holy Spirit be with us. Let him be preeminent in our service today. And Father, what is, whatever is going to be achieved, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, in these days, I believe one of the things that is being tested is our patience. Well, by this time, you probably know that we have reverted back to ECQ from a GCQ status. We have reverted back to enhanced community quarantine. So we are back on lockdown once again. I believe that one of the things that we are being tested with is our patience. We were somehow anticipating that the restrictions would be loosened and that we would go to a modified GCQ. However, the reverse happened and now we're back to ECQ. And I'm sure that a lot of you have been frustrated and disappointed by this news. A lot of you probably right now feel a sense of hopelessness and probably some of you are asking, when will this end? When will this pandemic crisis end? It seems like we're going through a very dark tunnel and we have been traveling for several hours and maybe even for several weeks and several months right now and we do not seem to see the lights at the end of the tunnel. So what is being tested right now is our own patience. We want to go back to the old normal. But sadly, what is happening right now is that the old normal is being pushed violently into this new normal that you and I are now in. And definitely, 
It's not comfortable. Definitely, it's not convenient. Definitely, it is not expedient. There are so many inconveniences, so many discomforts. I'm sure that a lot of us are beset by boredom. In fact, in the case of some people, they have become so disappointed and they have tried to take the easy way out. Some people have even committed suicide. Just this week, uh, a pastor friend of mine sent me a video of somebody who jumped from I believe the third floor of a particular mall in Metro Manila. Of course, we heard the story of somebody from Vicente Soto jumping also from the third floor because that person was contaminated with COVID-19. And so a lot of people right now are really being tested. We are really being challenged right now. And I just like to remind our brethren that we are now going through not only a crisis, but this is a crisis that is actually testing the genuineness of our faith. God is trying to achieve something in terms of our character. And this is something that I need to remind you, brothers and sisters, because oftentimes we think that we are in this bubble and in this bubble we have been insulated from the very presence of God. God is absent in our situation. It seems like God has abandoned and forsaken us. And I'd just like to tell you, God has not abandoned us. God has not forsaken us. But most definitely, He is testing our hearts. He is testing our perseverance. He is testing our endurance. He is testing whether we will hold on to our faith, whether we will cling on to the promises of God. And that is why the sermon that we have today, I believe, is going to be very helpful. It is going to be very relevant because it will teach us about so many things. Now, the question, of course, that we have to ask ourselves is what do we do in our present situation? It's really testing. And I believe Psalm 62 provides a sound wisdom for this. There are actually six lessons that we will learn here from this psalm. And they are as follows. In verses 1 and 2 and verses 5 and 6, the lesson here is waiting only on our mighty God. In verses 3 to 4, the reason for our waiting. And then in verses 6 to 7, the reliance of our waiting In verse 8, the manner of our waiting. In verses 9 to 10, we are taught about the wrong kind of waiting. And in verses 11 and 12, which is the climax of this psalm, the rational for waiting on the Lord. Now here we find in verses 1 and 2 and verses 5 to 6, waiting only on our mighty God. Allow me to read verse 1. And then I will skip a few verses. I will read verse 5. So verse 1 reads, My soul waits in silence for God only. And then in verse 5, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only. Now the question of course here is, What does my soul waits in silence? Well basically what it is teaching us is, Patient 
waiting upon the Lord. A patient kind of waiting on the Lord which is uncomplaining. Now, of course, that is really a serious challenge for many of us. How many of us can patiently wait still? Most especially as the World Health Organization said that this is probably going to last for about two years more. So the question, of course, is how long can you and I be patient and not complain at all? But this is what the psalm is actually telling us. We need to wait patiently and not to grumble and complain against our God. Now, this is a serious challenge, as I mentioned to you. And i just like you to note something very peculiar, which is found in the original Hebrew language, which unfortunately, our translation has somehow lost. And so I'd like to read to you from the new Bible commentary. Of course, the editor of this is D.A. Carson, a well-known Bible scholar. And in this commentary, it notes what has been lost in our English translation. It says in verse 1, along with verse 2, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 9, uh, it begins with a participle, which according to this commentary was ignored by the NIV. And that participle is but yet. All right? So let me just repeat. The participle is but yet. So, it says, there are many pressures, but yet, verse 1 tells us to rest in God. There are many alternative trends proposed, but yet, verse 2 says, God alone is my rock. There are many reasons why the foe cannot succeed, but yet, verse 4, they fully intend. And... Notwithstanding their intentions in all, their real threat, but yet, verse 5 says, find rest in God. And should anyone say, you need other strengths as well, reply, but yet, verse 6, in God alone. Or if they point out what a help people could be, Reply, but yet men are but a breath. So this is the reason why we should wait in silence for God only. The key word here is in the NASB is the word only or God only, which you find four times in the New American Standard Bible and six times actually in the Hebrew language with the word ah. So there is only one thing that will actually make us wait patiently. There is only one thing that will make us sleep well at night. I'd like to make a confession to you. At the beginning of this pandemic crisis, I was taken by surprise. And I think that many would likewise say the same thing. Uh, people were really taken by surprise. And this is something that caught us all off guard. And I'm sure that the businessmen would agree with me. The politicians would agree with me. Uh, the lay people would agree with me. The employees would agree with me. 
Everybody will agree with me, including the pastors and including our church members. We, will, we were all taken by surprise by this situation. And that is why early on, there were times I would wake up early in the morning. And to be honest with you, I was worried about so many things. Things like, how will the church survive? How will our own pastors survive this pandemic crisis? What will happen to the living word churches all over the Philippines and in different parts of the world? We would be seriously challenged by this. What about the health of my family? What about my own health and the health of my wife? What about our own sustenance? What about the poor people out there, the squatter, in the squatter's area? How will they feed themselves? What about the daily wage earner? Those were things that were honestly tormenting my mind and my heart. And there were many, many sleepless nights that I had. But then again, as I began to meditate on the Word of God, as I began to realize who my God is, I began to have this realization that I need to be able to rest in the Lord. And when I settled my mind on this truth, somehow I began to sleep well once again. And friends, this is something that the Bible is teaching us. Now here in this particular passage, in verses 1 and 2 and verses 5 to 6, we discover who God is. He is our personal salvation. Allow me to lift some parts of verse 1, verse 2, and verse 6. In verse 1, it says, From Him is my salvation. In verse 2, it says, My salvation. In verse 6, it also says, My salvation. What do these verses mean? These verses mean that God is a God of deliverance. But I would like you to know that He is not only a God of deliverance, He is my deliverance. Because the Bible says here, He is my salvation. And that is something that I think that we need to be mindful of. Many times we think that with the billions of people in the world... Could God still be concerned about my own small, tiny, puny, individual life? Could, re could God really care for me since there are billions of people in the world that God has to take care of? But this is something that David understood. Even though there are billions of people in the world... God is still mindful of each and every human being. And that is why we can confidently say that God is my salvation. God is my deliverance. God is my deliverer. And this is something that we have to preach to ourselves every single day. God is not just a salvation. God is my salvation. God is not only a deliverer. He is my own personal deliverer. He is a prayer answering God. And this is something that 
we have to remind ourselves over and over again. Don't mind yourself if you're being redundant to yourself. Because the truth of the matter is, if there is something that Satan wants to delete in your mind, if there is something that Satan wants to blind you off, it is the faithfulness of God. It is the deliverance of God. It is God being your own personal deliverer. Satan is a liar and we are not to believe his lies. But we are to hold on and cling on to the truth of God's word. Now, in verse 2 and verse 6, notice here that it teaches us that God is our personal rock and personal stronghold. The first part we saw uh, God being our personal salvation. Now, in verse 2 and verse 6, we see Him as our personal rock and stronghold. Verse 2 reads, He only is my rock. And then it says, my stronghold. And then in verse 6, it says, he only is my rock and my stronghold. Now, one of the benefits that I have received in having this annual tour in Israel is that my understanding of scriptures has become enlarged and somehow embellished by the things that I have seen. And that is why... I've encouraged our people to join me in our annual trips to Israel. Unfortunately, because of this pandemic crisis, we had to stop our annual tours. And I'm hoping that we can get back at it by next year. So we have actually made a tentative schedule by next year in April. And I hope that if this crisis is over, we might be able to travel together once again in Israel. Because I tell you, there are so many things that you are able to learn just by being in Israel itself. Just like in these verses that we are studying, He only is my rock. What does that mean? What does it mean that when it says that He is my stronghold, what exactly does that mean? Now, we are trying to grapple to try and understand what this means because we have no idea what David exactly was talking about. But when you go to Israel, you will understand. For example, when it says here, he only is my rock. Now, if I asked you, what is it that you are imagining when I tell you, tell you that he is my rock? I believe that for most of us, when we think of a rock, what we're thinking of is a small rock. Now let me ask you this question. When you think of God as a small rock, that means that you're able to hold on to this rock. You're able to hold on to this God. Now let me ask you this question. If that is who your God is, if God is somebody whom you can hold in your hand, is that something that can comfort you? Does a small rock comfort you? And, and definitely our answer to that is no. A small rock is no comfort at all. You might be able to, to pelt somebody with a rock, but for a rock to be able to protect you and guard you and deliver you, it is no comfort at all. 
That is, of course, if we think of a rock as something very small. But then again, if you go to Israel, you will understand what David was talking about. He was not talking about a small rock. He was talking about a mountain of a rock. Just like Masada. And I'd like to share to you about Masada. I will show to you through our PowerPoint presentation, first of all, a model of how Masada looks like. And I will show you a picture which I have taken, which will make you see how Masada looks like from the top view. How I wish you could check out an aerial view of Masada because it will show you how great a, a rock of a fortress it was. So let me share to you what, what Masada is all about. It was actually an ancient fortification in the southern district of Israel situated on top of an isolated rock plateau. Here the great actually built two palaces and fortified it between 37 and 31 BC. In fact, you will still see some of the ruins of his palaces. Now, according to Josephus, the siege of Masada by Roman troops from 73 to 74 uh, circa uh, AD, at the end of the first Jewish-Roman war, ended in the mass suicide of the 960 Sikari rebels who were hiding there. Well, let me tell you this. It took two years for the Roman army to be able to reach that fortification. And they were only able to reach that fortification because they actually built a ramp from the ground all the way up to the fortification. And so the Jews, the Sicarii rebels, understood that the fortress was no longer impregnable because of the ramp that the Roman people had built. And so they decided that they would kill themselves so that they will no longer be tortured and tormented and then killed later on by the Roman soldiers. That, of course, is a very unfortunate event in the history of Israel. And that is why this place actually is something that they have always memorialized. And one of the things that happens every year is that some young soldiers who are trained go up to that place and once they reach that place, they make this promise never again, never again. And what they mean by that is that they will never again be conquered. And so once again, when we talk about a rock, we're not talking about a small rock. We're talking about a mountain of a rock. Now that, brothers and sisters, is comforting to one's heart. When you see Masada from, from the ground, from the valley, and you look up, you see how impregnable a fortress it is. And that is who our God is in a larger way. He is the larger Masada. He is the larger rock. But He is not just a rock. He is my rock. 
And that's something, friends, that we have to comfort our hearts with, that He is my rock. He is not just the rock of the church. He is not just the rock of the saints of long ago. He is not just a rock of the anointed men and women of God. He is not just a rock of those who are serving Him as pastors and evangelists and as missionaries. He is my personal rock. Even though I am just an ordinary layman, even though I am just an ordinary person, an ordinary Joe as I might assume myself to be, God is still my rock. He is my personal rock. And not only is He my personal rock, He is my stronghold. Now, one of the other things I'd like to show to you, brothers and sisters, is how a stronghold looks like. And that is why I'd like to show you right now a picture of me and my wife when we were able to go to what is called as the Nimrod Fortress. Now, allow me to just describe what this place is all about. It is a castle of the large cliff. It is also called the Castle of the large cliff. It is a medieval castle situated in the southern slopes of Mount Hermon on a ridge rising about 2,600 feet above sea level. It overlooks the Golan Heights and was built for the purpose of guarding a major access route to Damascus against armies from the west. And so this was what uh, Nimrod Fortress was all about. This is what a stronghold looks like. It is something that is able to protect your position. And not only that, it is a place wherein you can actually attack other armies. And so this is who our God is. And so David was using all these uh, imageries, imageries of course, that were very dear to him because he in fact was a mighty soldier of God. And that is why he was a person who greatly appreciated and greatly admired a rock of a mountain. He was somebody who appreciated and admired a stronghold. Because whenever they were in a war, it was a matter of life and death. And for you to be on a rock, for you to be on a stronghold, you felt secure. You felt safe. You felt that you were protected. You felt that you had a great advantage. And this is something that we believers in Christ are blessed with. We are not alone in this battle. We are not alone in this pandemic crisis. God has not abandoned us. God has not forsaken us. He is our stronghold. But He is not just a stronghold. He is my stronghold. Preach that to yourself, brothers and sisters. Preach that to your children. Preach that to your family. Preach that to your friends. Preach that to the church, brothers and sisters. Our God is our stronghold. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is there to protect us. He is there to secure us. He is there to defend us. He is there to be our weapon against all the things that the enemy is throwing against us. 
What a blessing it is to be in the Lord. You know, I know that, you know, in this situation, and this is my imagination. If I were not a Christian, if I were not a believer, I would probably lose my sanity. I would probably lose my composure. I would probably lose my, 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 my sense of what is happening in this world that we are in. And then a, a sense of hopelessness will, will creep into my heart. And so when I try to imagine myself without the Lord, there is much hopelessness. But then again, brothers and sisters, we have the Lord. Never ever forget that. When you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, remember he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd has already, already laid down his life for his sheep. And so if he has done that for us, will he not take care of his flock? Will he not take care of his sheep? This is something that we are assured of brothers and sisters. And once again, that is why the Bible says that we are to wait patiently on the Lord. Now many things do not come on a silver platter. And such is true when, when I reflect on my life. There were many, many things that God did not give me on a silver platter. When my wife and I were sent here to Cebu from Manila, as local missionaries, we had uh, a son. Uh, his name is TJ. And it was the, just the three of us. The only things that we brought together with us when we first landed here in Cebu was our own clothes. And we were resolute to live by faith. That is not to take a fixed salary, but to depend on God to meet our needs. But I tell you, it was really a very challenging time with us. There was a time when my mom came over and we shared one egg among ourselves. Can you imagine sharing one egg amongst the three of us? My wife, myself, and my mother. We shared one piece of egg. And so my mother saw our, our situation. It was really difficult. There was a time of forced fasting. It was really a time of difficulty, a time of lack. And that lasted for a number of years before we actually began to have a sense of financial stability. It took a while. But you know, I have no regrets with what had happened to us. And I believe that my wife had no regrets. Because it was during those times that God shaped and molded my character. It was during those times that God shaped and molded the character of my wife. I believe we will not be the kind of people we are right now. If not for those early years of difficulty, early years of suffering, early years of waiting patiently upon the Lord. And I never raised my fist against God. I never said to God, Lord, why is it that, 
It seems like you have left me alone. I never complained to the Lord. My wife never complained to the Lord. Yes, they were difficult times. But we waited patiently on the Lord and the Lord delivered. The Bible says that he makes all things beautiful in his time. I believe if you've read my book, Enough is Enough, you probably heard about a little testimony that I share there. That I had panic attacks for seven years. Panic attacks for seven years. Yes, you heard it right, brothers and sisters. Although I was preaching to God's people and God's congregation, I myself was struggling. In fact, there were times I felt I needed more help than my congregation itself. And yet I trusted the Lord. I waited upon Him for seven years. For seven years, it was after seven years that He actually delivered me from those panic attacks. But the grace of God was always there. And right now, we are being tested once again. I am actually being tested once again. When we look at what is happening around us, I mean, it's so difficult to anchor yourself on something that will provide stability, something that will provide security for you. And I believe that many of you are feeling that way. You're feeling very insecure. You're feeling very unstable. You're worried about your children. You're worried about your family. You're worried about their schooling. You're wor worried about their future. There are so many things that you are probably worried about. And friends, that was the same situation David was in. When he was running away from Saul, when he was fighting the Philistines, don't you think that fear entered his heart? In fact, in the book of Psalms, we find that he confessed that he had fear at times. He was afraid at times. Who would not be? When you're fighting a mighty Philistine army, when a mighty king like King Saul is running after you, why will you not be afraid? And it was in that crucible, it was in that difficult, fiery situation that David was in, that he learned that God was his stronghold. It was in that situation that he learned that God was his rock. And that is exactly what God is trying to achieve right now. Through these experiences that you and I are now in. God wants to prove himself to us that he is our deliverer. That he is our stronghold. And that is why that is the very anchor that we should place our hearts in. Because God is our rock. He is our stronghold. And not only that, He is our personal hope. As verse 5 says, verse 5 says, For my hope is from Him. And God is not just a hope. He is my hope. So friends, remember that. If you're becoming very desperate right now, if you're becoming very frustrated right now, if you're becoming very disappointed right now, if you are tempted to quit right now, if you're tempted to drift away from God and backslide, please remember this, that God is not just a hope, He is my hope. Remember that He is our hope and the hope that we have is certain. It is not a maybe. 
It is not a I hope so or I wish. No, this hope, brothers and sisters, is a certain hope. And we can anchor our souls on the word of God, anchor our souls on God himself because he will never fail his people. He will always be there for us. And that is why there is reason, brethren, to hold our heads up high and trust that God himself will lift our heads and that he himself will provide the hope that you and I need in this life. I'd like to share to you the result or the results of waiting as found in verse 2. And what we find here is stability. In verse 2, it says, I shall not be greatly shaken. In verse 6, it says, I shall not be shaken. Now, one word I'd like to focus here is the word greatly. Now, the Liberty Bible Commentary makes a comment on this, and it goes, The adverb greatly indicates that the psalmist is like a tree swaying in the wind, bent but not broken, as a sheep moored in the harbor is buffeted but not destroyed. And I believe that this is the thought that, once again, I believe we have to imbibe in our hearts. We have to see ourselves being swayed to and fro by this strong and very powerful wind. But we are not bent. We remain strong. We remain stable. We remain anchored on the truth of God's word. Yes, we are like a ship that is moored in the harbor, being buffeted by strong and mighty waves, but we are not destroyed. Yes, friends, we are being tested right now, but the God in us has given us inner strength and inner power. Once again, let me just remind you that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us, and He is not there seated as a guest now, the Holy Spirit is our agent of sanctification. That is why the Bible calls us to yield to the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit. The greatest resource that you and I have is the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in us. And He is the one who provides us inner power. A kind of power according to Ephesians that resurrected Jesus Christ. That is the kind of power that resides in us. That is why Paul, in spite of the many persecutions, many difficulties that he went through, in spite of the many times that his life was threatened, he was even stoned, he was whipped so many times. He was arrested, he was imprisoned. Yet Paul could write, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. And that is who we are, brothers and sisters. We are not victims, we are victors. The Bible says, for he who is born of God overcomes the world. In the book of Revelation, those who go to heaven, those who are believers, those who are sons and daughters of God, they are called overcomers. Remember your identity, brethren. Yes, we are weak, but our God is strong. Yes, we are vulnerable. 
Yet God is our rock and our refuge. The biggest difference in our lives is the fact that we have God. And because we have God, that makes all the difference in the world. In spite of the circumstances that you and I are in. We know that we can cling on to God, depend on God, and that He can provide strength for us. As Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember your identity. There is a phrase that is often repeated in the New Testament, and that phrase is in Christ. And that is who you are. You are in Christ. You are not an ordinary person. You are in Christ. You are in the Lord. That is who you are. Never forget your identity. Brothers and sisters, oftentimes Satan makes us forget who we are. We have to remember that we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have been equipped and empowered by God for this life. We have been equipped and empowered by God for this coronavirus. God is allowing us to go through this, but He is not allowing us to go through this alone. He is allowing us to go through this with His own strength and with His own power. And our God is not impotent. Our God is omnipotent. That is who He is. And that is the power that resides in us. So the thought here is that we should not become demoralized. That we should not become disappointed. That is what it means when it says, I shall not be greatly shaken in verse 2. And when it says in verse 6, I shall not be shaken. Notice it has been repeated twice. And being repeated twice means that this is the emphasis of the psalm as well. That we will not be greatly shaken. Now let's talk about the reasons for waiting as found in verses 3 and 4. Now it begins with this phrase, how long? Now isn't that a phrase that is often repeated in our day and in our time, right now, we're always asking, how long? How long will this ECQ be? How long will the GCQ be? How long will this pandemic crisis be? How long before I go to work? How long before I can start business all over again? Uh, somebody posted on Facebook that he would rather sleep and let him be awoken when all of this is over. And I believe some of us would just simply want to wake up from this nightmare that you, are, you and I are in. And David himself had the same sentiment. He had the same feeling, the same emotional tone. He was saying, how long? David was becoming impatient. Yes, David himself was becoming impatient. And why was he impatient? What were the reasons why he was impatient? First of all, it was because of the prolonged assailing. Prolonged assailing. He says here, how long will you assail a man? This was a case of treachery against him. And so he wanted this to end. And then 
He talks about the prolonged evil intent on hapless victims like himself. He goes that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. The thought here is David was like a hapless victim on the verge of collapse. He was like a tottering fence or a tottering wall, leaning, about to fall, about to collapse. And maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you feel like you're on the verge of collapsing. You feel that you're on the verge of quitting. You're on the verge of losing it. You're on the verge of maybe even losing your sanity. And friends, that might be the kind of feeling you have right now. That was the kind of feeling that David had at this time. How long? How long, O Lord? Not only that, we have here the prolonged evil plan. In verse 4, it says, They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. Here we find a settled determination to undo or to destroy David, to upend David. And again, it was not so much the pressure that David was experiencing. It was not so much the duress that he was going through. It was the length of time. It was the length of time that was the problem. It was the waiting period that was the problem for him. He was becoming impatient. And so for many of us, you know, probably when, when, uh, when we were going through this pandemic crisis in the first week, we were fine probably. But you see, it's the length of time that is killing us at this time. We want to get back, as I mentioned to you, to the old normal. But right now, this is, this is the new normal. The new normal of wearing a face shield, the new normal of wearing a mask, the new normal of only one person allowed to go out and, and do grocery or buy some essential goods. This is the new normal. The new normal is, is something that you and I uh, are, are finding great difficulty in and we want to get back to the old Normal that we used to have going back to the malls and going back to the beaches and socializing once again with our friends, having, uh, having birthday parties all over again. These are things we want to come back again. And so it's the length of time that is killing us. Then another problem that David had was the prolonged lying of people. It says here, they delight in falsehood. Now, evil people are not bothered about lying for they are just intent on destroying others regardless of the means. Now, David was being surrounded by, by people whom he could not trust. People who appeared to be his friends, people who appeared to be companions, and yet he could not really trust them. And maybe that's the kind of situation that you are in as well. Maybe you're finding difficulty in trusting people right now. People whom you thought could be a backup to your situation. People whom you thought could, you could depend on them. But right now, it's like each man for himself. And maybe the people whom you were uh, trusting to 
to help you out and assist you. They're not helping. And maybe you need to understand their situation as well. They're likewise in great difficulty. And, and David was in that kind of a situation. Not only that, there were people who were uh, flattering him. And that's why what, one of the things we find here is prolonged flattery. It says here, they bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Have you met people who flatter you to your faces? Tell you how, how great you are, how much they admire you, that, that they are a fan of yours. But then when you turn your back, they engage in character assassination. I believe you and I have, have met some people like that. People who smile at us uh, when, when we're fronting them or when they're fronting us. But when we turn our backs, immediately you find the smirk. You find the frown. There is hidden anger and hidden bitterness in their hearts. That was one of the things that David was facing. Again, the situation here that was, was killing David was, was the prolonged agony. The how long. That is what made it so difficult for him. That is why we need the reliance of waiting as found in verse 7. Wherein we find that God is our salvation in glory in verse 7. It says in verse 7, On God, my salvation and my glory rest. This tells us that God brings us personal deliverance and honor. In verse 7, it also says that God is the source of our strength. The Bible says, He is the rock of my strength. That means that God is our strongest support. He is strong, the strongest support that you and I have. Not people, not anybody else. God is our strongest support. And then it says in verse 7 that He is our refuge. It says, my refuge is in God. This speaks about David's absolute reliance on God and on God alone. Now let's talk about the manner of waiting as found in verse 8. Waiting here is not to be passive, but it is to be proactive. My dear friend, Pastor Bong Bulusan, watched uh, last uh, weekend sermon and uh, he, he quipped, uh, he made a funny remark about uh, something that I shared, an illustration about one tamad, wherein one tamad was leaning on a tree and waiting for uh, the buko or the coconut to fall on him. And he said, you know what, Mel, with that caricature that you shared last time around, what would happen to one tamad is if the coconut falls down, it's going to kill him. So he said, maybe it's not a coconut, maybe it's guava. Having said that, however, uh, I think that the lesson that I was really trying to emphasize at that time is we need to be proactive. So two things we need to do. Number one is faith. Bible says in verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people. Number two is prayer as found in verse 8. It says, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And that is exactly what I want us to do right now in this waiting. We are to be trusting the Lord in this waiting. We are to be pouring out our heart to the Lord. 
And we have been sharing that somewhat in the past few uh, Sunday sermons that we have had. We are to lament before God. We are to pour out our heart before the Lord. Bring, bring before Him our disappointments, our frustrations, the things that are in our hearts. Pour out your heart to the Lord in prayer. Now, there is a manner of waiting that is wrong. And we find that in verses 9 and 10. One wrong waiting would be waiting on men. In verse 9, it says, Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. The thought here is that we are not to trust in men regardless of their status, whether they are of low rank or of high rank, they are totally unreliable. The Bible says here, they are together lighter than breath. That means that people are unreliable. So we cannot trust in, in, in people. We cannot trust in, in those in high positions. We need to trust in the Lord and in the Lord alone. Now, I like what uh, D.A. Carson once again says here. He goes, this is no ivory tower doctrine but one proved in the hard school of experience that people can be very menacing as found in verse 3 and 4 and that the world offers no solution either in its people, verse 9, or in its practices. So what D.A. Carson really meant here is that David learned all of these things not because he read a manual, not because he read a book, not because he read a, a a, a fictional story. No, this was something that David learned because of his own experiences in life. And we are going through certain experiences and encounters in our lives wherein God is actually teaching us. We can actually compose our own psalms, so to speak, to be able to reveal to people how God delivered us, how God protected us, how He became our own stronghold. Now, another wrong waiting would be waiting on evil schemes. One would be oppression. In verse 10, it says, do not trust in oppression. Oftentimes, when we are faced with prolonged suffering, we want to take the easy route. And sometimes we might be tempted even to oppress certain people if only we could survive. And again, that is a wrong thing to do. We are not to take shortcuts that would cause us to step on the toes of other people. Now also, we are not to engage in thievery. Bible says, and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. The thought here is not to trust in evil schemes. If only to achieve prosperity or success, that would be wrong waiting. Now let me talk to you finally about the rationale for waiting on the Lord in verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 tells us that He is a God of power. It says, once God has spoken twice, I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Now this expression in the Old Testament was used to give emphasis to the fact that God is almighty and all-powerful. 
That is who our God is. Power belongs to our God. It does not belong to human institutions. It does not belong to the resources that we have. Power belongs to God and to God alone. And not only that, we are told here in verse 12 that He is a God of loving kindness. Verse 12 reads, And loving kindness is yours, O Lord. Praise God that our God is not just a God of power alone. Because if God were just a God of power alone, that would not help us. What if the God that we serve was a capricious God? What if the God that we serve was an impersonal God? What if the God that we serve was an apathetic God? A God who did not care at all. Even if he had all the power in the world, how would that help us? So praise God that our God is not only a God of power, He is also a God of loving kindness. Now what is loving kindness here? It is not looking upon us and saying, Oh, I pity the people. Oh, I have compassion with the people without doing anything. The word loving kindness here in the Hebrew actually means a kindness towards men doing favor and benefit. In other words, this is an active kind of loving kindness. This is a kind of loving kindness that delivers us. This is a kind of loving kindness that empowers us. This is a kind of loving kindness that strengthens us. That is the quality of this loving kindness. But not only that, it tells us here that He is a God of justice. It says, for you recompense a man according to his work. Praise God that our God is not only a God of power. Praise God that our God is not only a God of loving kindness. Praise God that our God is a God of justice. He recompenses us for whatever we do. And what that means is this. He rewards those who are righteous. He rewards those who do good works. And He somehow comes against those people who do evil deeds. So what a great comfort this is. And that is why this is a time, friends, to do something good. This is a time for us to serve God. This is a time for us to love God. This is a time for us to obey God because when we obey God, when we serve God, when we do something good for God and for men, God is a God of recompense. God is a God who will reward us. And yes, my dear brothers and sisters, even in this pandemic crisis, our God can reward us. Our God can bless us. Our God God can provide for us. Our God can sustain us. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, our God is a God of justice. So this is the reason why we wait upon the Lord. Because our God is a God of power. Our God is a God of loving kindness. Our God is a God of justice. That is why we wait upon the Lord. Definitely there are many challenges, but yet God. There is the COVID-19, but yet God. There is a downturn in the economy, but yet God. There is the problem of sin and hell, but yet God. 
And so friends, that is the reason why we have to wait on this mighty God. So once again, we thank the Lord for his word. And I pray that his word has brought comfort to your heart. And for those of you who have not yet surrendered your lives to Christ, those of you who have not yet received Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that you will do so. You know, if you do not have God at this time, I can just imagine your situation. You might be losing your sanity. You might be losing your hope. You might be depressed right now. You might be tempted to quit or maybe even take your own life. And I'm here to tell you that the God that I serve, the God that David served, was a mighty God. He was a God of loving kindness and he was a God of justice. And these three things were displayed by the Lord at the cross. He displayed this power by pouring his wrath upon his own son, a wrath that you and I deserve. A wrath that you and I, meaning to say we deserve hell. A wrath that you and I are supposed to receive and yet that was laid on Christ. At the cross, we find the loving kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ, his justice satisfied. And if only you would come to Christ, your soul will be saved, your sins forgiven, and you will be able to receive all the blessings that come from this mighty God. I'd like to invite you in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for this blessed time you've given us, O God, to study your word. We pray, dear Lord, that the word will truly minister to your people. And I pray that they will be encouraged, that they will be edified. I pray that the word will not return to you null and void, but that it might accomplish the very purpose by which you have sent it for. And so, Father, thank you. And we give you back the glory in Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We'll see you next time. Here are our announcements. All our services are still suspended until further notice. We enjoin you to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Please visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu, International Incorporated and our website www.livingword.ph You can also check out our YouTube channel to view all of our services and programs. Our sermon can also be heard over DYFR FM 98.7 on your dial every Saturday and Sunday at 8 p.m. We are also seen on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 p.m. Also, please check our Facebook page every day as we have lined up posts catering to our youth, 
our young adults, our couples, our worship lovers, the children's ministry, and others. Likewise, let me announce that we are pre-selling my next book, More Than Enough, at 300 pesos. The regular retail price is 350 pesos, so you get to save 50 pesos. The book is about learning how to conquer trials and sufferings. Kindly text your orders to 0931-037-6944. We also have a new Gospel Center discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ. It's available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text the number on your screen. Please do not also forget that we have an interactive midweek table talk every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. We have a series on the book of Revelation and right now we are talking about the tribulation period. Later on, we will likewise be talking about the rapture and the millennium. Please do not also forget our live intercession every Friday at 2 p.m. We would like you to join us in our prayers. There are a lot of things that we need to be praying for. So please join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Our International Bible Institute is now offering online teaching in church history. The deadline of enrollment would be on July 2. The start of online teaching would be July 7, 2020. The schedule of online teaching would be Tuesdays at 10 in the morning. Now, I will personally facilitate this class. Although it will come out Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, it will be pinned on our Facebook page in International Bible Institute. So you can view it after 10 o'clock in the morning. Likewise, we are offering Old Testament 103, the Kingdom Period. You can enroll in Old Testament 103 as a correspondent student. The deadline of enrollment for Old Testament 103 is also on July 2. And here's some good news. We can deliver your IBI materials through LBC, or you can get your materials as well at the Living Word Center in Manawa. We'd also like to thank our partners and those who are our members who have been consistently giving to partner with us in the work of the Lord. We'd like to share our giving channels to those who would like to partner with us in the work of the Lord. You can deposit your love offerings to the following banks. Banco de Oro. Account name is LWCCCII. The account number is 001-0000068-00. We also have a BPI account. Account name is Living Word Christian Ministries, Cebu Incorporated. Account number is 10210234. Finally, we have RCBC. Account name is LWCCCII. Account number is 
You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Go to www.livingword.ph and click Give and then a dialog box comes out of it. Kindly click on your giving preferences. Thank you and God bless.